Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. Joe Cotter here with our host, Dr. Susanna Greer. Hey, Susanna. Hey, Joe. If you're a cancer patient or caregiver, if you're an ACS volunteer or supporter, or if you've been touched by cancer or COVID-19, I really hope you'll listen to this interview with Chris Kim. She's the American Cancer Society's acting COO and had so much helpful information to share with everybody. I also want to encourage people to visit cancer.org coronavirus. We've got some really helpful resources and guidelines, advice uh, for folks with cancer dealing with COVID-19. Susanna, could you set the stage for us here? Absolutely. Joe, I, I agree with you. I hope everyone who's been impacted by cancer and who finds themselves in a pandemic listens because Chris's message was just exactly what I needed to hear today. And I think it will resonate with all of you as well. Chris shares how she has been personally impacted. She shares with us that despite it all, she and we are not helpless. That rather the American Cancer Society, your American Cancer Society is hopeful. And she takes us down this beautiful journey to share with us some of the really tough decisions the ACS has had to make, but ways that we are moving from those challenges to be impactful to cancer patients, to caregivers, to those who are on the front line of this pandemic in some just exceptional and innovative ways. I love the way Chris refers to the ACS supporters as our army. And as I sit here in my office by myself at home, it, it makes me feel not alone, but surrounded by people who, just like me, realize that while cancer isn't going anywhere during this pandemic, neither is your American Cancer Society. So please listen to Chris, and I hope at the end of it, you'll feel just like I do. Not helpless, but incredibly helpful and incredibly grateful to be a part of and touched by the American Cancer Society. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Susanna. I am well, thank you. Well, we are grateful that you are sharing some time with us. I'd like to level set for our listeners. We are in challenging times right now. We find ourselves in a really challenging space. And I, I'd like for our listeners to understand a little bit more about your unique perspective. We find ourselves in the middle of a global pandemic and you are at the epicenter in the United States, you live in New York. Can you share a little bit with us about what your life is like right now? I do live in New York. Um, in fact, I've been a New Yorker for more than four decades. Uh, the last 20 plus years, I've been with the American Cancer Society. And, um, you know, in that time, I've been through 9-11. That was my first experience with shelter in place because with the Twin Towers going down and the chaos, we, we hunkered down in our Midtown office. Um, there were hurricanes, Irene and Sandy and others. We experienced uh, many blackouts and transit strikes. Uh, 
um, and you think you've weathered every possible calamity, but nothing compares uh, to this moment. Um, I, I would say it's surreal, it's scary, uh, it's sad. We're literally stuck inside because it's not safe to go outside. Uh, and for me, my we is my two two-year-olds, uh, two 20-year-olds, I'm sorry, um, who were evicted from their universities, of course, uh, and my spouse. And not being able to uh, go out means basically we can't be a New Yorker uh, because I think uh, you New Yorkers sort of take comfort in numbers and we, we relish our freedom um, and we get all the swagger that comes with that, you know, the energy and the connection from being a part of the masses, something so big like New York City. But I am scared, um, not for myself per se, but knowing that one wrong decision, uh, one wrong action could, could bring harm to others, um, including uh, those whom I love. And so I've had to stay away from my mom-in-law who only lives seven blocks away. She's 79 years old and we haven't seen her in three weeks. I've not been able to visit my elderly parents who live 10 miles away. And I, the last time I saw them, I kind of threw some groceries at their door and I left. So I'm sad um, about these realities. And of course, I just fear for all New Yorkers, um, you know, my neighborhood, my community, um, but really, you know, just everyone, everywhere. Chris, I really appreciate you sharing all of that because I think it echoes the thoughts that we all have as Americans when we wake up every morning that we feel like we just can't be us. You said you can't be a New Yorker, right? I have the exact same feeling in Atlanta. I feel like I can't be myself and do the things that I'm used to doing and that I love. And it is so scary and hard and it's just tough not to be able to see family and friends and to live with this underlying fear. One thing you and I have in common though is that we're part of the American Cancer Society. I'd love to know if there are ways that you have seen the spirit of the American Cancer Society come through during the pandemic. You know, it's not only um, something I've observed now. Um, it's actually become, I think, a part of our, um, our muscle memory. You know, the American Cancer Society is the most powerful force fighting cancer and uh, improving the health of our communities. And we've been doing this for well over a century. So we've got a lot of experience and resiliency, and I absolutely believe it's in our DNA. So while I might have said I feel scared um, and sad, I don't feel helpless. And I don't think uh, anyone um, that's a part of your American Cancer Society feels helpless. And I think this comes from two things. Uh, one is that um, there are too many people counting on us. Too many people counting on us to break through no matter what. And that's because, as you well know, we will have 1.3 million new diagnoses of cancer this year. Uh, we will lose well over 600,000 Americans from to cancer this year. And so this year, 2020, 
uh, this year we're in uh, with COVID-19 wreaking havoc and everything, um, we're going to find ways uh, to accomplish our mission. We're going to find ways to keep reaching out and to help those who need us. Um, the second reason that I think uh, we are not helpless is that the American Cancer Society, almost by definition, um, is is that we we are backed up by an enormous army. We have an an army behind us, and and that includes, of course, our one and a half million very active supporters. And you know what? We've got numbers there, and if we all together sort of just, you know, don't quit, we're going to be okay. Um, so uh, for sure, um, I think that all of that uh, continues to come through each and every day as hard as and as different as each and every day now is for us. You're right. There are so many people across the country who do support the American Cancer Society, um, our army. So I really I love that vision, and it's one that I think is really helpful during this time. And, and you're right, cancer absolutely doesn't stop for this pandemic. I'd be interested if you'd share with us ways that the ACS is still advancing our mission during what is obviously a really challenging time. I'm so glad you asked this particular question because today we are going to uh, announce um, something that I think is going to make everyone just so proud. Again, by definition, we we are made up not only of this army, but we are in every community. And so when the community hurts for a natural disaster, um, uh, such as this pandemic, uh, a major public health threat, you know, we're going to respond like a member of the community. And so today we are going to announce a COVID-19 response Hope Lodge Emergency Operations Fund. What is this? As you know, this pandemic has caused a dire shortage of everything. But most urgently, our healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, first responders, they need a safe place to rest before racing back to the front lines to save lives from COVID. We are so, so thrilled that uh, we're going to be able to offer our network of Hope Lodges, as you know, we have several dozen around the country because they are being repurposed as we speak in partnership with uh, adjoining and nearby hospitals. We purpose our Hope Lodges to provide respite and comfort and care to our healthcare workers on the front lines of this pandemic. So we've set up a special fund so that our supporters have an opportunity to contribute and help not only the American Cancer Society, but help us lift up healthcare workers during this, this moment. Oh, Chris, that makes my heart beat really fast. That's really wonderful news. I'm. I'm especially excited and gratified to hear that. And I'd love for you to level set a little bit with our listeners. Everyone may not know about our Hope Lodge facilities and 
just to back up a bit, we, the American Cancer Society has had to, like everybody else, every individual, every family, every business during this time has had to make some really difficult decisions. And one of the most difficult that the American Cancer Society has made has been to temporarily close our Hope Lodge facilities. Could you tell us more about the program and then we'll, we'll talk about the decision to close and what sounds like a really a really positive outcome um, during this time of exceptional need. Absolutely. You know, I am very partial and intimately connected to our Hope Lodges. Um, they are amazing refuges for cancer patients and caregivers who need a place to stay while undergoing treatment far from home. So essentially, if you've been diagnosed with cancer and your doctor, your care team tells you that the best chance you have to save your life is treatment that is offered far from home, you need to not only have the wherewithal to get there, you need a place to stay. And that's what our Hope Lodges offer. Beautiful, comfortable, free lodging for you and a caregiver during the time um, that you are away from home getting life-saving treatment. Now, very close to home here, I've been a part of the New York City Hope Lodge since uh, its inception. And I saw it being built from the ground up. And now it is uh, 13, 14 years old, and it's welcomed more than 50 guests from around the corner, across the country, around the world, uh, saving our guests more than $50 million in out-of-pocket costs. That's just one Hope Lodge. Uh, I've been a caregiver myself at a Hope Lodge, at the Hope Lodge in Boston, when one of my best friends battled a rare and deadly cancer. So yes, this was an agonizing uh, decision to have to temporarily suspend our program because we could no longer guarantee the safety and security of our staff, volunteers, and our patients, many of whom have compromised uh, immune systems. So imagine if one you know, visit outside, remember our, our patients at our whole lodges, they, they, they go to treatment um, you know, uh, by bus or by taxi, they come back, they also go out to take walks, to get food. Um, they have caregivers coming in and out. We have staff coming in and out. Um, we have security guards coming in and out. Um, we have volunteers coming in and out of these facilities. That represents a lot of risk, a lot of risk. And it just became too difficult. We held off as long as we could. But the risk of coronavirus entering our Hope Lodge doors and putting our, our guests in harm's way, it was just too great, if not impossible. That's why we suspended our program temporarily. Um, and I am really pleased to say uh, that by last Friday, uh, we were able to safely and securely transition all of our guests almost all of whom returned home, and we found alternative lodging for a handful of our guests who could not get home due to travel, uh, strict travel restrictions. Um, really, um, there are very few things that stops the American Cancer Society from, um, from 
continuing to serve our patients. Um, a threat to public health, to our health, to our patients' health, that, that's pretty much the only thing that um, sort of trumps our, our, our strong will to serve. I am just, I'm so proud because you're right. We have had to make a really difficult decision to temporarily suspend the purpose and goal of Hope Lodges, but we have transitioned those patients, those cancer patients and their caregivers out. And in this time of unprecedented need, we are transitioning in those who are on the front line of this pandemic, healthcare workers, um, to whom the same things that Hope Lodge offers cancer patients and their caregivers, those same things will be offered. They also will get respite. They also will get comfort. They also will be housed in these beautiful, comfortable um, spaces at no cost. So this is a this is a wonderful outcome of a terrible situation, and um, I'm I'm really excited you can share that with us today. I have a question around our organization and that army that's behind us, because the American Cancer Society, we rely very heavily on the public through events and fundraisers. I know that a pause in these events has to have had an enormous impact on our efforts. Um, I think our listeners would be interested to hear your thoughts on, on that. How has the ACS been impacted and what are our plans? Uh, no question, Susanna. This pandemic has forced us uh, to postpone all of our public-facing events this season. Um, and yes, in the immediate term, we are experiencing a decline in revenue in support from the public for all that we do. But you know, again, you know, cancer fighters are resilient people. And even though this ordeal, through this ordeal, there are so many, countless, who just won't give up. And so instead of holding events, physical events, they are continuing to raise awareness and funds by taking their events online or going virtual and getting real creative. We've got a couple of um, social media campaigns out right now um, and they have risen up from, from the army that we keep referring to. We've got uh, something called laptop lip sync. Uh, we've got something called shave to save uh, and, and so many others. And these are the kinds of um, initiatives, um, you know, it, 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 it gives you an opportunity to have a little fun. It certainly reminds everyone that, um, you know, cancer doesn't go away in times of crisis or pandemic. And so neither do we. And so I've, I'm just so heartened um, by the incredible response. And so while we are seeing certainly a decline in revenue, which I hope is temporary, which I hope we can recoup uh, certainly in, in seasons um, to come this year. We are also very hopeful 
because uh, again, everyone is, you know, continuing to do what they can from where they are uh, to continue the fight. And I'm just so incredibly uh, grateful to everyone who's doing that. You know, you are, you're absolutely right. Um, cancer doesn't go away. You are absolutely right that neither does the ACS. And I, I'd like, I think it's an opportunity to also share a little bit of good news. Um, because last week marked the 10th anniversary of the Affordable Care Act. Yes. I'd love to hear your comments about how our partner, the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, which our listeners may have heard of as ACS CAN, how did ACS CAN engage during the pandemic um, to protect vulnerable populations? What's What's been some of the outcome with that engagement? Um, our ACS CAN, um, you know, our, our lobbying arm, our advocacy arm, you know, uh, is there to continue to fight for cancer patients with policies that will help ease the increased burden created by this pandemic. There is an increased burden on our cancer patients. And so ACS CAN is fighting for continued relief for the nonprofit sector. As you know, there um, has been um, more than one stimulus bill, and we are still seeking relief for the nonprofit sector. There have been some good, um, I think, advances made, but we want to ensure that not only the American Cancer Society, but many others in our space can continue to deliver timely and critical services to cancer patients, survivors, and, and their loved ones. But I'd also like to uh, mention that, you know, I, I am so uh, incredibly proud, and I've shared this before, uh, but I think it's okay to uh, repeat that um, our role in passing the Affordable Care Act 10 years ago, and since then, fighting to keep those protections for cancer patients, is very personal to me. I am an immigrant who did not have much health care growing up because I did not have health care coverage until I was out of college and in a job with benefits. So these hard-fought, hard-won protections uh, are something um, that probably most, you know, uh, support, uh, but they don't quite, quite understand. I want your listeners, our listeners to understand that I understand that it truly is the difference between life and death and that, you know, it's not enough to know how to fight cancer. Uh, you have to have access to the life-saving screening and treatment and care. And um, in this country, many millions still don't have access and we're going to continue to fight to, to get them that bridge to, to care. You know, I think it's so interesting. I, I was sitting here thinking as you were sharing all the wonderful things that ACS CAN is doing on the policy side for cancer patients and their caregivers. It, it's interesting to think about truly the size of this army, this army against cancer. So your American Cancer Society, of course, has dedicated staff we have some the most amazing volunteers in the world. Um, we've talked about patients, we've talked about caregivers, and we've talked about our colleagues at 
ACS can. Um, one group that's near and dear to my heart that we haven't talked about yet, I'd really be interested to hear your perspective on are cancer researchers and clinicians. Um, the American Cancer Society is the largest nonprofit supporter of cancer research, and many of our cancer researchers are at home right now, just like you and you and I are. Their labs are closed, their staff is sheltering in place, and I've talked to lots of these researchers and clinicians, and they are they're certainly doing lots of positive things during this downtime. They are reading and writing and collaborating in really innovative ways and they're planning. I, I'd love to know, is there a, a message that you'd like to share with these cancer researchers? I, I certainly um, would like to share a message with our cancer researchers because we stand on their shoulders. We stand on the shoulders of our American Cancer Society extramural and intramural researchers. You know, everything we do, everything we just discussed in the last 20 minutes, we do so that we can power their discoveries because it's it's the discoveries uh, that will give us more answers to cancer and will allow us to save more lives and, and, and protect people from getting cancer. I am probably the last person who is going to tell a person in a lab coat what to do uh, but I do request um, that they take every opportunity in every conversation to let people know that the American Cancer Society, uh, meaning that army behind us, is making their work possible because it's a lot of $25 checks. It's a lot of communities coming together to relay for life or make strides. You know, it's corporations and individuals with whom we partner and engage to make investing in cancer research a top priority. And a lot of that takes a lot of work and resilience uh, and never giving up and never quitting. And they do that for our researchers. And so I hope they take every opportunity to share sort of where that fuel comes from, um, because I know it would make our cancer fighters um, incredibly happy and, and proud and motivated to do even more. Chris, one of the things that I'd love for you to share with us would be your hopes, a hopeful message. So when the pandemic subsides, and it will, we'll be in a, a different world, but we will, this too shall pass, as my grandmother says. I'd love to know how you envision the ACS supporting cancer patients. Um, and we we stand on the shoulders of so many. You just mentioned our research colleagues and our clinical colleagues, but we we stand on the shoulders of an army. Are there are there things that the American Cancer Society needs now from donors and volunteers so that we can, be stronger than ever when this is over. You know, I, I've been trying to spread a message about preparedness. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready. We have to be ready to get into high gear the minute our government authorities and public officials say that we can resume our 
regular or more normal like activities and certainly to be able to serve our patients. And in order to do that, uh, we will need and we will um, continue to ask for financial support for sure. But also we're going to need our volunteers um, to continue to carry forward our work uh, and our mission. So, you know, it's a message about being ready, being prepared uh, so that we can, you know, optimize that opportunity, that day. Um, and, and we don't know when that day is going to be, but I, sh I sh surely want to be ready. And I know that um, everyone in our American Cancer Society family feels the same. And we're not going to be ready if we don't take this time um, to prepare and to get organized, to reach out, to engage. You know, connections uh, are lost because we don't make an effort. Um, and so we're going to have to continue to press hard compassionately and just also remind uh, everyone that, you know, cancer just doesn't go away, unfortunately. It doesn't take a pause. And so neither will we. I just have one more question and I'll let you get back to doing all this good work. And that is that many of our listeners are cancer patients and caregivers. Um, it goes without saying that it's challenging to be in that situation on a great day, it is logarithmically more challenging today. So is there a message that you'd like to share with these listeners in particular? I think at the risk of sounding like one of the talking heads on television right now, I will say that there truly is nothing more important right now than staying healthy and following all the rules that go with that so that we can protect our families, neighbors, colleagues, and communities. Um, and so um, there can't not be a more important message than that. Um, but if there were a second, <laughs> um, a close second, it would be that your American Cancer Society is here. We are never far and we want to be of service. Today, tomorrow, every day. And um, we have two front doors that are always open, always open. They are not physical front doors. You can't buy them at Home Depot. Um, they are cancer.org, our um, incredible website, and cancer.org slash coronavirus is actually our hub. You're going to see it right on the homepage there. And it is going to uh, be your entry to um, a vast cove of information, resources that are very germane right now, especially for cancer patients who are trying to stay well and get well, even with coronavirus. Our second portal, of course, is our Cancer Information Center. You get there by calling 1-800-227-2345. And uh, you get a real-life person every time you call. And that person who is specially trained is going to do everything in his or her power to help. 
And so we're going to uh, additionally amplify this service. Um, we're going to even begin to test some video conferencing capabilities um, because we want to be there for cancer patients, caregivers, families. Um, we want to be here and we are here, even though we've had to temporarily close our offices throughout the country. So I would certainly uh, underscore that message as well. All right. Thank you, Chris. I, I hope you know how grateful we are. Many of us are standing on your shoulders and um, none of us are going away. So thank you for all you do and we'll let you get back to it. Stay well. Thank you so much.